The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 30. How can psychological strategies create success in modern day sport? to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I am your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who can encourage you and inspire you to be the best you can be in your current profession, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the sports industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Michael Finnegan. Michael is the chairman and founder of Eye2Eye. Michael has an inspiring career journey where he works with top businesses and elite sport organisations with regards to sporting their needs by delivering positive results. For example, he has assisted a number of professional football teams such as Everton Football Club, Wigan Athletic and Bolton Wanderers. During his time with those football teams, he's either supported them with regards to reaching promotion, getting the team into the UEFA Champions League qualifications and even helping out with regards to delivering some silverware when Wigan Athletic won the FA Cup in 2013. Michael also works with individual athletes. For example, back in 2011, Michael was behind the scenes when Darren Clark won the Claret Jug at St George's Royal Ascot. I can happily say that I'm very humbled and privileged to have the opportunity to interview Michael on the show. That's when today's show, Michael will share his career journey and explain how psychological strategies create success in modern day sport. Michael, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Please can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? So when it started a long time ago, I mean 1998. Um, and it's one of those flukes, really, because my friend wrote a letter to a snooker player called Jimmy White following an article that he read in the Sunday Times saying that Jimmy's life was um, on a, a fairly significant downward spiral with cocaine, it said in the, in the, in the paper, um, alcohol, gambling, cancer, um, depression. I mean, it, it went on and on, depression, Prozac, and, and bankruptcy. So there was fairly hefty things going on. And uh, and I was absolutely stunned when he called me. My friend had written on this letter and said, look, my, my friend Finnegan will sort you out. This is his phone number. Give him a call. And he, I think he sent that on the Sunday night and on the Tuesday, Jimmy White called me. And within probably 14 hours, I was working with him. Now, I hadn't had any sporting clients up to that point. But what happened then was that one leads to another so pretty soon we were working in golf and, I mean, within, um, what, 24 hours of working with Jimmy, we were working in golf with uh, Chubby Chandler at ISM. A lot of your listeners will know ISM, International Sports Management, in golf. And uh, and then Bolton Wanderers in football and then South African cricket team when they came to England in 2003, which led us on to working with England in 2005 for the Ashes because Fletcher wanted to know what on earth had been going on with the South Africans and Eric Simons uh, introduced me to him so that happened from there 
And then, you know, Bolton Wanderers led to Everton to 10 years with Moyes at Everton, which led to one year with Moyes at Manchester United almost, which was a fascinating year. Um, and rugby league with Wigan Warriors for many years, winning many, many trophies with them led to South Sydney Rabbitohs with Russell Crowe and uh, Michael Maguire winning the World Club Challenge. And then uh, South Africa with uh, Gary Kirsten, who was one of the leading batsmen at the time, number three, coming to the end of his career. And that led into working with him when India won the World Cup in 2011. So there have been many. And it's just finished this year, the latest one. He's one of our athletes going to the Olympics and picking up a bronze medal in the high bar at the tender age of 20, which is incredible. So there you go, quite a journey. Wow, that's really fascinating. Just quite a journey. Touching back, though, from an academic perspective, yeah. did you study <coughs> anything related to sports science? No, nothing at all. So what actually happened with me was in 1992, I started to study the science of psychology in terms of helping people understand individual or organisational excellence. So that was the route I was taking. And that was from a commercial route. So my mentors were within the Aon Corporation. Aon sponsors of Manchester United, of course, as we know, the Aon Training Complex at Carrington. Um, so my route was about understanding how do I get people in businesses to perform to their maximum? How does that then translate into teams and organisational performance? So that's where I was studying. It was a complete fluke that my friend was a Jimmy White fan and wrote this letter that was not even on my radar. So there's no degree with me, there's no masters, there's nothing at all. Um, we have psychologists working for us now and I lead on all their projects, so I'm their teacher now. And it's pretty be weird being a teacher who's never studied, so I'm just a practitioner. And, and what I found is that your results lead to the project and the results that you get are the demonstrable out outcome that says, yeah, this is worth investing in. So nothing, no formal education at all, which I'd like to stress again, is not the situation with my team <laughs> who are qualified. Just looking back with all those experiences you've been with the sports teams and the athletes, in your opinion, how have you seen the sports industry grow from a performance perspective? Oh, blimey, Ed, seriously, you're taking me back nearly 20 years here. I mean, nobody would heard of it. No, Nobody, you know, I was, listen, I was... I was prospecting for business, people like HSBC and, you know, big organizations. They'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of it. I'd come out of tw uh, a career in banking. I'd never heard of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, Sam Allardyce at Bolton Wanderers. I mean, what a name that is to conjure with, isn't it, given what's happened in recent weeks? But, you know, when I met him, he, he said in public he'd heard it all before. When he sat down with me privately, he didn't know anything about it. You know, when I sat down with Darren Clark, who was one of the top golfers in the world, he didn't know anything about it. Duncan Fletcher, England cricket team. Yeah, he was working with a guy called Steve Bull. But the stuff I was talking about, he'd never got involved with. Um, so, so it's grown exponentially, hasn't it? Every club has at least somebody now in, in this field. But there was seriously... No, I felt nobody around. Now, to say there was nobody around, Lancashire Cricket Club, who we worked with, I mean, not even met, there's so many people I haven't mentioned, but Lancashire Cricket Club, who we worked with for a couple of years, 1999 and 2000, um, they were using a company up in the Lake District called Impact, and they were kind of an outward-bound consultancy. So they'd kind of dabbled in it, but nobody who was talking to them the way I was about the psychology of individual, unit, team, organizational performance and how we can affect that as leaders and how we as in individual athletes can take more responsibility to control it. I'm telling you now, nobody knew anything about it. And now look at it. Yeah, as you rightly said, it's grown massively. Just for the students who are studying in this area, mm. would you mind explaining from an industry perspective what core skills they need to get their foot in the door? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously they need the qualifications. You're not even going to get there, are you, without a fantastic uh, qualification? We know that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but but what I what I'd also say is that if I were if I were them, um, and I remember I recruit people in this area, so I kind of am a, a live example, aren't I, in terms of being a prospective employer. Uh, I want people who have studied more broadly. So I want people who have uh, an interest in organisations, maybe. Some some understanding of how organisations tick and work. Not just sports franchises, but businesses. So general organisational stuff is of interest. So I'd be quite happy to have conversations with people who were kind of, you know, interested in what's happening with uh, the American election, for example, or what's happening with Brexit, or what's happening with the stock market, uh, and what's happening with the oil price. Or, you know, we, we, you want a more general rounded view of the world, I think. So that's, a, I think, really important. I then want people who can communicate, and who've studied communication, because I think in, my, in this world that we're in, your ability to sit in a room with Sam Allardyce and his coaching team at the FA would have been really important. You know, to, to sit with David Moyes and his managers at Sunderland or Everton or Manchester United and to be able to carry that room through a, a session would be really important. Um, or to carry a team of players, footballers, rugby players, cricketers, through a session is really important. So I think communication skills is something that need to be studied and presentation skills, definitely, and mastered. Um, so communication is massive for me. And then the other thing is just kind of your network. I want to see... Yeah, I was at a breakfast this morning in the city and I met this person and that person and, you know, I'm, I'm having lunch with people and calling people and having coffee with people and just just getting a sense of building uh, a community around you who you can lean on and, you know, ask questions and sound, you know, sounding boards and r- run ideas by. So I think those three areas for me, a generally businessy thing I think is useful. Communication skills is massive and personal networking is huge area for me to, to, to see people involved in beyond the sports thing which we take for granted don't we I couldn't agree more with the networking side even through this podcast journey talking with you today just relating back to today's main topic I know you talked about psychology already but in your opinion in the work you do how can psychological strategies create success in modern day sport well I think Again, listen, I mean, what's lovely about us is we're talking about 2016, aren't we? So I'm dealing with an athlete. We, 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 we had one athlete go to the Olympic Games, right? One. Um, and the reason for that is because it's not an area we target, because it's not financially lucrative to do so. There's not a load of money in it. But we had a client, a corporate client, who had a son who was going to the Olympics. And he said, look, would you have a chat with my son? So I ended up having a a drink with this lad at Starbucks, just thinking it would just be a one-off chat and pat him on the back and off he go. He was hooked on what I had to say. Absolutely stunned. And this this is, you know, what, March 2016, right? So this is real life today. And this is an Olympic athlete an elite level of discipline he's going to the olympics and i'm saying so what do we know about what do you know about this and what have you been told about that and tell me what you're studying uh, and, and i'm doing the probing about what he knows psychologically about strategies he knows nothing and now that's that's some kind say he knows nothing but i'm telling you it wasn't far off so whatever the olympic organization is dishing up they ain't dishing up the things that are going to help him win an olympic medal so Psychological strategies about managing his life, about things that are non-sporting related. Psychological strategies about managing pressure for him. 
uh, about his approach going into a tournament, his approach in terms of going into an individual 30-second performance. The support he was getting was pretty, was pretty poor, if, if I'm fair. So what difference did it make? It made a massive difference. Um, what was his existing bed of knowledge like about psychological strategies? It was, it was poor. And that's Olympic athlete 2016. I'm working with another athlete who went to the Games and finished ninth in, in her discipline. Uh, and I'm just starting coaching her and I'm finding exactly the same thing. And she's 27 years old, by the way. Just relating back to that sort of man management side, I find this area interesting from the elite level of sport. Yeah. How important is support off the field than just on? I think it's huge. I mean, if I, if I think of, we, we had a, a player at Bolton um, you know, when we were, I spent five years with Sam Allardyce in, in the glory years of Bolton Wanderers, right? When we were coming from, through promotion. So from the, when we went in, we were, the team were fourth bottom of the second tier of English football. And we were then, like five years later, playing in Europe, um, you know, getting to cup finals and semi-final. I mean, we really had turned it around significantly. And part of that journey, we had a player come to look at joining us called Ivan Campo from Real Madrid. Uh, now, camp, the main hurdle to him, uh, losing form, having to look for a new club, all the things that were going on around him, and we get him to Bolton Wanderers, and we talk to him about the Bolton Wanderers family, and we talk to him about what a wonderful place Lancashire is to live, and how he's been striking distance of Manchester and international airports and beautiful restaurants and fine hotels and amazing countryside and lakes and mountains and seaside and theatres and anything he wants in his life he can get here um and the whole thing about him was he was going through a divorce and we were the only ones i think who ever found that out so it, so, so one of the things that that sam said was well look if there are financial implications for that we will support you through it what do you need from us now he hasn't had that conversation with any other football club at all. So we used to have this sense that it's person first, athlete second. That was one of our main building blocks at Bolton Wanderers. It was all about the person, the athlete came second. And what we found was, get the person right, the athlete will follow. JJ Kotcher came because we treated him as a human being and we did things that no other club would have done to help him settle in and his family settle in. Um, Yuri Jorkiev did exactly the same thing. They became ambassadors for us in the end because they just believed so strongly in the off-field support that they were getting them, the f that their wives, their children, education. And I know it goes on a lot now, but we were doing this in 2001 or 2002, you know. But so it's, I don't think it's changed. I think it's still vital. And it was absolutely vital to those three key signings for us at Bolton Wanderers. That sounds really fascinating. Just touching back though on your career now, yeah. would you mind explain to the listeners what your company is about? Yeah, so our company is, is, is about inspiring success. Um, I set it up so that I could change millions of lives for the better. I didn't set it up to change sportsmen's lives or sports franchises' businesses. I set it up to change people's lives. Um, and the, uh, the foray into sport was a fluke because my friend wrote a letter to Jimmy White and one conversation led to another. And although that's huge sporting CV, which we think is without parallel in terms of it's three continents and goodness knows how many world championships and all sorts of, of senior elite level uh, wins, um, came came because of, of that, just wanting to help people. So our, our organization does that. So consequently, our clients are, yes, sporting individuals, sporting teams, probably no more than 5%, 10% of what we do in terms of revenue. We use it a lot for PR because it differentiates us in the marketplace. So most of our clients are then 
the big businesses that you'd know about, the Vodafones, the direct line insurances, the, the banks of this world, British Airways. So businesses on the high street, blue chips that you'd know about, those are our main clients. Um, but what's interesting, we've done it in 27, we were operating in 27 countries around the world, um, at all levels, from a receptionist on a desk to a chief executive sat behind his or her desk. Uh, all these different countries. Sometimes I once went into a, a meeting with one client to run a session with them. There was somebody from China, somebody from Russia, somebody from Scandinavia, somebody from South America in the same room at the same time, all doing different jobs. And I can only teach one message and they all got it and they all understood it. So you, it's very transferable. And that's what we're doing. We're helping people and individuals understand what do they need to do psychologically to deliver their best performance on a consistent basis. And it doesn't matter whether you're a teacher or whether you're running a multinational or a sportsman or a woman, the same, and what religion and what denomination, whatever, the same principles apply is what we found. Just relating to the athletes, let's say the Olympic athletes, mm. with the strategy, is there a difference when you work with somebody one-on-one compared to, let's say, a football team? Uh, or was the process the same? Well, it's interesting, Ed. I think the focus is different because, there, you know, you're, you're the one on the mat, aren't you? You're the one running the 100 metres or whatever it might be. There's nobody else there. Um, but you've got a massive support team. Um, so even a golfer has a caddy. You know, even a boxer has a man in his corner, doesn't he? So everybody, no man is an island, I think, is a phrase, isn't it, that we, we've all used probably from time to time. And, and I still see that very much in sports. So with the, with the kid who won his bronze medal at 20 years of age, I mean, what an amazing experience for him. He'll go, he'll go gold in Tokyo, I'm convinced of that. But, you know, he's, the relationship he had with his mum and his dad and his sister and his coach, those four people were absolutely pivotal to his success. So whilst the focus is different, because you've got to say, look, it stops with you. You're the only one in that gymnasium going for this medal. Nobody else there. There is still a team around them, and they can have a massive impact. You know, we, we completely changed his coach's strategy of the way he would speak to him before he'd go on the mat. So that was... That was him saying to his coach, please do not use these words anymore. Please do not say these things anymore. They do not work for me. So, yes, it was about him, and it was about taking control of that for him, which he'd never done before. But it still involved, you know, his coach was massive for him in the end. His mum and dad and his sister were massive for him. So it's um, it, it's very similar. We don't change it much, Ed. You'd be surprised. I find this area always interesting. Just, do you? Yeah, I really do. I'm... Me doing the sports science at Durham, I did a lot on psychology and it's an area I always find interesting, especially in the elite side yeah. and especially how athletes need more support, as we've already mentioned, off the field as well. I th- Is this I, making sense then, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I really do hope the listeners take that on board as well. Just going back to your career now, yeah. what do you enjoy the most from the work you do looking back? Well, I mean, I just think, uh, you know, listen, my vision is to change millions of lives for the better, right? That's what I like. If that's a child in a school... Um, there's not a much better feeling than... We, we, we get kids coming to us in schools, Eddie, who are 15 years old, and the system's given up on them, really. And they come in, and the head teacher will say, you spend a few days with him, and we'll spend two or three days with a bunch of children like that. And, and the head will say, they're going to get no GCSEs, these. Get them out of my classrooms. Get them out of my air. And as soon as possible, get them out of this school. Uh, and on average, those children, including maths and English, get seven GCSEs. Wow. Seven. Now, that changes their lives. And then... You know, you'll go back, you'll get invited back in November to their prize giving. Um, and I, I did one, it was wonderful. I was speaking at this prize giving, doing a 10-minute speech at the end. And then I was giving out these certificates. And as they came up on stage, you know, they met the priest from the school or whatever. And they met the head of the Parent Teachers Association. And then they met the head teacher. They were all getting handshakes. And every single one of these children, when it was one of my kids and they came to me, I got a massive hug. 
And you cannot buy that. So whether it's an athlete who isn't going to win a medal, who wins one, whether it's Darren Clark, who's 42 years old and given up on his dream of winning the Open Championship and he wins it, uh, or whether it's a hug from a kid in a school, uh, or a homeless person who gets a job, we get a lot of that, um, changing a life. I, I, I can't say an athlete is... I mean, look, I'm a frustrated sportsman, so I love all these trophies that are around the room. Wonderful. But, you know, changing a life who needs it, when they've worked hard to do it themselves, and they know they've done it themselves, and you can see them going off with that newfound confidence to live the rest of their lives as they deserve, it's a buzz. It doesn't matter who they are. Just having the privilege of working with them is enough, really. Wow. Um, especially the self-confidence side. I, Massive. It is, yeah, huge. Ed, I, I, just to jump in there, we, I say to people when I work with them, I'm going to teach you what I know, right? So I've spent 24 years learning this stuff, and it's my world, day in, day out. I've read every book. I've been to every lecture, right? I've done every exercise you can imagine. And what I want to do is try to condense that and all the stuff that was wasted and duplicated that I didn't need. I'm going to take all that out and I'm going to leave you with this essence of it. And if you will just use that, you will change your own life. It won't be me. It will be you. And the reason you'll be able to do it is because we're teaching you stuff you didn't know before. And just do it. So actually, you won't be working with me for 10 years. You'll be working with me for one year. And the shadow will last for, te- for 10 because it will be you. Do- it's not, the power isn't here. The power's there. The power's with the person. Um, so it is it's showing them how to do it, how to have that confidence in any situation. And listen, there's nothing better than having a coffee once every six months for us to just, just you know, steer you 1% back on track or just to pat you on the back and say, well, you don't need to be living in my pocket for 10 years. I will teach you what I know so you can do it for yourself. That's the only way to do this stuff is to give people that power. I'm just blown away with what you just said there. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? Okay, I would say, uh, let me. I've got some great advice here because I've seen loads of this, right? And bear in mind, I've recruited a couple, so I know what it takes. And, and I'd, let me say a few things. Let me say, build your network. We've talked about that. So don't, you know, I, I, if you're working in Sheffield, I want you to walk into a restaurant and say, I want two people to kind of wave to you. And, you know, one of them works for HSBC and one of them works for the local authority. I want people in that city to know who you are. So I want you to have some profile. Um, I want you to be a brilliant communicator. Work on your communication skills, whether it's one-to-one or whether it's one-to-groups. You know, somebody asks you to speak of a, if, if anybody, if a women's institute asks you to go on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock to speak about your education or your career or your chosen profession in life, or your vocation, go and do it. I don't care if you get paid or not, or you get wet, or you have to go on a bus. Go and do it. Learn the lessons. So, so work on your network. Work on your communication skills. Become a brilliant communicator. I think that's really important. Be broad in your in your interests, and you know, watch the news. I mean, I didn't used to watch the news when I was twenty three. Who cares, right? Please do it. Watch the news. Be rounded in what you do. Um, and then the final thing I'd say is work on your own confidence. Be I think what's really important is to be the lesson, be, be the example of what you're taking into your client. Let them, they don't need to ask you what you do. They can see it shining out of you. So don't come and teach me to be confident. Sit down in my office and let me say to you, I don't know what it is you're on, but I want some. 
because you're a shining example of what it is you're going to bring to our organisation. Let it shine out of you. And if I could leave people with those four thoughts, I think it's val- it's powerful stuff. That you, sadly, your, your academic qualifications and your profession we're we're going to take for granted. We're go- that that's not going to differentiate you. But your rounded knowledge of the world, your networking skills, your communication skills, and your self confidence that shines out of you, blimey, you'll never be out of work. Michael, that is great. I really do hope the listeners take those pieces of advice on board. And I am just even here speaking to you face to face. How can people interact with you? Oh, well, they'll get us on Facebook. You'll see us on, on Facebook. There's loads of stuff on there, loads of tips and advice and, and scrapes and adventures that we've been in there. Lots of different things. You can follow me on Twitter, mfinneganitoi. Um, and, you know, if I'm ever around anywhere and you see anything or you want any advice, Please interact, and we're we're desperate to help people change their lives. Michael, that is great to all the listeners listening in. All of Michael's Twitter feeds, contact details will be on my website relating to this blog post. Michael, it's an absolute privilege to chat with you today in person. Thank you very much. Privilege for me too, Ed. Pleasure. Wow, what an incredible interview by Michael, and I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. The biggest lesson I learned from this interview was the luck, that it only took Michael one letter through his mate with regards to Jimmy White, which gave him the foot in the door in starting a career and really exploring the elements of psychology in the sports industry. And most of all, actually talking to Michael in person, the thing that shines the most through that interview was Michael's passion and he really does mean what he says during that interview about really changing, but most of all, improving people, not just from a sports perspective, let's say the athletes or the clubs, but also people down to earth, you know, teachers at schools or people on the street. We had a great chat after the interview and you can just tell his ambitions in life. And to me, they're the biggest little subtle elements that you need to learn if you would like to work in the sports industry because it's all about what you do off the job in regards to what you are about understanding yourself which then delivers your success in a working environment but just from a psychological perspective to students who are studying sports science I really do hope that you take some of the elements that Michael was saying which you can apply to your essays with regards to inspiration. And I really do hope it helps you with regards to being more positive as well in regards to finding employment opportunities in the sports industry. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Michael said, build your rounded knowledge around the world. Build your networking skills. Build your communication skills and let your self-confidence shine out of you. Well, if you can do that, you will never be out of work.